Amen. Amen. So today we're going to look at two big questions. First, how do we live the gospel? And I want to look at that more practically, not so much theologically, but on a practical level. How do we live the gospel day to day? Second, how do we spread the gospel? Um, before we begin, uh, I want to read a prayer that I recently came across, and it was really just um, struck by how beautiful this prayer is because it touches on so many things that um, are the essence of Christ, of who he is. Um, so this is uh, the prayer of peace by uh, St. Francis. So let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. So uh, before we jump into the scriptures, I want you to just follow me through a hypothetical scenario as, as we look at that first question. What does it mean to live the gospel? So let's say we start on Sunday. Okay, you go to church. And for one week of your life, a film crew follows you around and films every waking moment of your day. So from the time you wake up all the way until you go to sleep. So every component of it. Uh, your your breakfast, uh, what you do at work, what you do on your free time, um, how you spend time with friends, family, just every minute is filmed, okay? Um, and at the end of that week, uh, you sit down with God the Father and an atheist. So it's you and uh, these these two polar opposites in the room. And as the film is played, it's on mute. So there's no sound, right? So, so nothing you said, no words you spoke that week are able to be heard. But the point is you and God and this atheist in this scenario get to watch how you lived for one full week. And now think about yourself in this scenario. What does God see when he looks at your life, specifically your actions more than your words? Does he see his son, Jesus Christ, living through you? Or does he see somebody who's just going about their day um, caught up in distractions, constantly too busy for his son? What does that atheist see? Do they see someone who looks very similar to themselves, living a life for yourself? Or do they see somebody who goes out of their way to serve other people? Do they, do they witness a life that is filled with acts of love, acts of mercy, going out of your way to forgive others, going out of your way to do charitable acts, looking for opportunities to be loving and kind, joyful, merciful? What type of life are you living? And... That's, that's a hard reality for all of us to look at, but I think it's just so necessary because all of our lives get busy 
and um, Satan is is very good at presenting distractions to us because distraction distractions whether it's a social media feed or shows you watch on Netflix or whatever you're doing in your free time distractions are a great way to take us away from God and take us out of relationship with Jesus Christ so we have to look at our life's actions and just be genuine in assess and say who is living is it me or is it God because God gave you life and we're supposed to give that back to him and many times um, we probably lose focus of this but I'm just hoping this is a call to all of us, to you and, and to me as well, to say, okay, God, if you gave me life, I want to give it back to you and do that as a servant, someone who loves you and wants to do your will. And so I want to look first at the words of Jesus. And this is in John um, chapter 15 and um, one of the more incredible discourses in the entire gospels here. And, and Jesus really emphasizes the heart of the entire gospel here. And so um, I'm just going to skip around through a couple of verses, but this is in uh, John chapter 15. And he's again speaking to his disciples. And he says to them, My Father is glorified when you become my disciples. That is, when you bear much fruit. So an important point, Jesus is defining discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? He clearly states Discipleship means you bear much fruit. So that means discipleship is not saying I'm a follower of Jesus exclusively, right? Just in words, okay? Those words need to be accompanied by your actions, right? So Jesus is clearly saying if you're going to call yourself a disciple of him, a disciple of Jesus, the litmus test, the way to assess that is by the actions of your life. Are you bearing much fruit, Meaning, are you loving others? Are you acting kindly? Then Jesus continues and he further explains. He says, You will remain in my love if you keep my commandments, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And he's saying, right, follow my example, just as I have showed you, okay, following the commandments of the Father, follow my commandments. And now Jesus here further gives us the definition, right? What, what is he commanding us to do? And then he, ex, he uh, clearly explains, he says, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to give one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now stop there. Again, remind yourself, what is Jesus commanding us to do? to love one another as Jesus loves us. And just real quickly to think on that thought, for um, most of Jesus's ministry, how was he treated? Right For the most part, horribly. Um, so many people ridicule him, reject him, mock him. Obviously at the end of his life on earth, um, in his passion, he's beaten, scourged, whipped, um, the crown of thorns is placed on his head. He's mocked. And how does he respond to this horrible treatment? He responds with the greatest act of love in all of history. He dies and takes on the burden of all of our sins. And, and that's why Jesus, he, he doesn't only say just love other people. He's saying, 
love others as I have loved you. And then he, he defines the greatest form of love, right? He says the greatest form of love is sacrificial love, where you give up your life through love for others, other children of God. And so the, the opposite of that form of love would be living a life totally for oneself and one's selfish desires. That would be the opposite of loving as Christ does. And so when we assess ourselves, when we look at our life, we have to say, am I actively seeking opportunities to do God's will? Do I seek to love other people, to forgive other people, to do acts of mercy and charity? Or am I looking to fill my time with things that are fun, fun for me? Am I looking for ways to fill my time with entertainment that bears no fruit? Right? Just occupying and filling time. And there's really a huge difference there. Now, I'll just point out one last thing is Jesus um, emphasizes this point once again. He says to his disciples in verse 16, You did not choose me. It was I who chose you and sent you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. And then he emphasizes again, so I tell you to love one another. I think that's such an interesting concept. Jesus, Jesus is telling us, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Which is such a great reminder for all of us. You are currently alive for one great, great reason. And that is to accomplish God's will. And here Jesus defines it further, right? In, in further depth to love as Jesus loves. So think about two things for yourself personally. First, what gifts did God give you? When he was creating you, right? He created you for a specific purpose, okay? What gifts did he give you? And that could be stuff like um, you have a great sense of humor, you're very caring, you're very compassionate, okay? Why did God give you those gifts? The second thing to think about is your talents, what are you just naturally good at? Um, is it working with your hands? Are you good with computers? Are you a people person? Why did God give you those talents? Both of those things go together, right? Your gifts and your talents. God is not somebody who um, acts randomly without purpose. He's a masterful, purposeful designer. So when God was designing you specifically for his purpose, the gifts and the talents he gave you were for a great but very specific purpose. And it's definitely not to waste those talents, and it's not to serve yourself. The talents and gifts you were given were to serve others, and in doing that, you serve the body of Christ. So if you're funny, use your humor to uplift people. Right? If you're compassionate, look for ways to console people. Okay, and put your heart on display for others. If you're good at working with your hands, okay, do that joyfully for the Lord and look for opportunities to put those talents on display for God. And it's the same thing if you're good with computers. Okay, ask the Lord to present an opportunity for you to put your talents on display for Him and to do God's work, not to serve yourself. Because you can't do both. You can't serve yourself and also serve God. 
That's a big fork in the road for all of us. Who are you going to serve today? Are you going to serve others and in doing so serve God? Or are you going to serve yourself? And for me, I just know on a, on a, um, a practical note, um, I try to make it a point when I wake up in the morning and just say a simple prayer like, God, um, thank you for today. This is your day you've given me. Lord, help me give today back to you. And I'll ask God to either present a person or present an opportunity to do his work. And of course, without fail, God always presents a person or an opportunity for me to do his work. But I, for me, I found that prayer so helpful because um, it just puts on display that God is really a respecter of our free will, right? Um, unfortunately, a lot of times with our free will, we choose to just serve ourselves, to do what we want, to entertain ourselves. Okay, and God loves us so much. He gives us free will because in free will, we can achieve the highest form of love and loving God. But we can also use our free will as a great time waster. So for me, that morning prayer is so helpful. God, present a person to me today in my life that I can help them um, get closer to you. God will present that person because when you give your time, your thoughts, your free will to the Lord, he will, he will put you to work. <laughs> He's going to do that because like, like uh, Jesus tells us, right, the harvest is plentiful. There's a ton of work to do. And we need to be the ones that are actively seeking out that work. We got to be the workers. Christianity is not sitting idly on the sidelines. We got to be ready to work. And so uh, make it a point of emphasis to start your day with, with a prayer such as that. Lord, put me to work today. Let me do your work. Um, <laughs> when, when I'm uh, feeling compelled by the Holy Spirit, it's not always the easiest. But I'll ask God and, and say, God, um, please take take my time today don't let me busy myself with stuff i want to do but use my time as you want it and something will pop up a situation will pop up somebody will ask me hey can you help me with this today can you do this for me today and it's just in that moment i can kind of smile and say okay god i see you and i hear you and i know um you answer my prayer and, and you're letting me do some work for you today and it's you know that's um it's just such a blessing that the lord will put us to work and and help us glorify God in doing that. Um, and now real quick, I just want to look at um, two amazing people in the Bible in their own words. Um, just just a, really one sentence from both of these people because their language is so similar. But I think it gets to the heart of the first question we're looking at. What does it mean to live the gospel? So we have uh, Jesus' mother Mary and then King David. So somebody from Old Testament history and somebody in New Testament history. Um, but their language is, is extremely similar. And so uh, Mary uh, proclaims the sentence, My soul magnifies the Lord. Uh, and David, he says something really similar. And um, I, I encourage you to read it because this is in Psalm 34. And David says, let us together magnify the Lord. And so this uh, concept of magnifying the Lord, or as Mary says it, my soul magnifies the Lord, maybe is not um, very clear at first reading, 
But if we kind of dig a little bit deeper, I think it tells us so much about um, what it means to live the gospel. So the, the word magnify, think about um, either a magnifying glass or maybe like a, a high-powered microscope. Okay, what are, what are those two things doing? They're taking something that is invisible and making it visible. So if your life or your soul is magnifying the Lord, it's taking something that's invisible, God, faith, and making it visible to other people. So you're able to put your faith and your love for God on display through your actions. So when David and Mary say that we need to magnify God, that means our actions should bring Jesus, should bring God to other people. Right? And the Apostle Paul echoes this as well. He says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so when other people view our lives or encounter us and interact with us, we need to make sure we're doing our very best to put Jesus on display so other people are encountering the love, the mercy, the kindness, the joy of Jesus Christ when they interact with us. That is how we magnify the Lord. And, and I think one more point on that too. You know, we can't do anything on our own merit without God, right? Um, we need the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot to be said about the Holy Spirit. Um, but I, I, I've had uh, students ask me like, Coach, how do I know if the, I have the Holy Spirit in me? And I think that's a really interesting question, really interesting concept. Um, but just to answer that in short, um, I would say this. If you have a real, true love for God in your soul, and that pours itself out as love for other people, that is the greatest fruit of the Holy Spirit a love for God showing itself in a love for others because the Holy Spirit in an essence is love. So our soul magnifying the Lord means we have the love of the Holy Spirit in us and that love is infectious and contagious and we spread it to other people and we magnify God. We take something we can't see, God or faith, and we make it visible through our actions. And so when other people say, why do you believe in God? Why are you a Christian? Right? They should see our actions have magnified what God is and who he is. Okay, the heart of the gospel is love for God and love for others. That's what it means to live the gospel. Now, second question, how do we go about spreading the gospel? Okay, um... We've said a little bit about this, but I just want to conclude with a couple practical points. The first thing is it starts with yourself. Um, I know personally I have to invest time in my personal relationship with God. Personally, I just feel hypocritical to try and talk to other people or teach other people about God if I'm not investing my own time with God. Right, That would be someone saying, hey, trust me with your money. I'll invest your money, um, but I'm not going to make those same investments myself. Right, That, wouldn't, that would probably wouldn't be very sound. That wouldn't be sound investment. 
it's the same thing here with God. We need to be spending time with him on a daily basis, really as much as we can. And in your prayer life, try not to make it um, just to cut out one minute of your day. Start your day with prayer and let there be an ongoing conversation with the Lord throughout the day. You know, tell him what you're worried about. Tell him what you're concerned about. Share your joys with God. And like any good conversationalist, the most important thing is listening. Okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do for other people today? How can I serve you today, Lord? Right? How can I make your heart rejoice today, Lord? What, what small act can I do for you? Please give me work today. So let your prayer life be an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. So if we're going to spread the gospel to others, the first thing is, is an investment, okay? And just practically cut out 30 minutes of entertainment. Don't watch that TV show tonight, today. Don't scroll on your phone for 30 minutes tonight before bed. And bear fruit that'll last, like Jesus tells us, okay? Sometimes I like to think, what did I do one year ago today? <laughs> and usually I can never remember but I know if I spent time in prayer that that moment in my life will last for eternity and that moment in my life mattered because it mattered to God. And I, I did something that God wanted me to do. And so that, that's, that is an investment in eternity. Uh, the second thing for spreading the gospel is praying for lost souls. There's so many people... Um, in our own state, own country, throughout the world that we'll never meet, we'll never have an interaction with, but unfortunately don't know the Lord or they've fallen away from the church or the faith. Um, but we can absolutely pray for those people, right? And, and sometimes God will uh, present somebody in your life that's struggling or needs help and you can pray for them. But also just trust that, um, just like that little boy who offered up his lunch and Jesus multiplied it, don't ever doubt what God can do with a small offering, right? We try to magnify the Lord, but God can always multiply our small deeds, our small offerings. And so we can pray for lost souls. We can pray for people who are struggling in their walk with God. And um, I try to make that a practice for myself before bed and say, okay, God, um, tonight I'm going to offer this amount of time for those lost souls, um, for those people who may die today. Um, for those people who don't have anyone to pray for them. And I'm just going to present that to you. And Lord, you do whatever you need with it because um, you know all and you know best. And so praying for lost souls is a great way to spread the gospel throughout the world. Um, and the last thing is in our actions. When people look at our lives, they're either going to be attracted to Christianity or be really turned off by Christianity because of the way we live. Usually the words we speak are the last part of evangelizing, right? When somebody wants to go deeper in their faith and they want to learn more about their faith, and that, that's where the deeper discussions come in. But the initial tr attraction to who Jesus is, the initial attraction to Christianity, almost always has to come by deed, has to come by action. And so people are going to witness your life probably when you're not paying attention to it and, to, and say, you know, one of two things. Um, that person claims to be a Christian, but nothing they're doing is appealing to me. Or they're going to say, why is that person 
always so positive? Why is that person always so filled with joy? Why is that person always so kind to others? Okay, I want to be more like that person. Right? I want to be more of a Christian like they are. So, so your actions will either attract people to Christ or push people away from Christ. And that's a huge responsibility that, that God entrusts us with. Um, and I'll conclude with this. I think St. Francis says it both when talking about how we spread the gospel. He says, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Let us magnify the Lord. Let us live the gospel. And let us spread the gospel with our words every single day. May God bless you.